Welcome to Because of This and That. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about why New York loves Alexander Hamilton. The founding father has his name plastered all over the state. Uh, His name's on county, town, K-12 school, college, streets, avenues, pretty much anywhere we could stick his name, we did. Of course, part of the reason we love him is because he made New York a global center of finance, but I think we also really like him because he's one of us. He's a real he's a real New Yorker. And this was represented and embellished by Lynn Manuel Miranda's musical Alexander Hamilton. Uh, and Lynn Manuel Miranda is a proper New Yorker, grew up in uh, New York City, growing up in Washington Heights. Uh, And he represents, I think, a lot of that culture as well and was able to bring that culture and that perspective into his his musical. One of those critical elements um, is his connection to immigration into the United States, coming from Latino and Puerto Rican descent. Um, And we see this highlighted through the musical, uh, probably most famously when Lafayette says to Hamilton, immigrants, we get the job done. And especially in its run on Broadway, that tends to get a big cheer because New York's immigrant history is so incredibly important to its history, its success, and to the culture of what it means to be a New Yorker. Um, and of course, in the case of Hamilton, he had a very tragic childhood that he used education, educational opportunities to escape from those circumstances that he was born into and come to New York. One of the most important things about New York is that New York is a place where you can become whatever you want to be. You can really reinvent yourself. You can fulfill your potential. And in the musical, of course, this is this is represented by the line, in New York, you can be a new man. And even even to this day, I think that's still very true. There's still a lot of people coming into New York City looking to make the best out of their lives. In 2018, 23% of the state uh, is immigrants, according to the American, or was immigrants since this past, um, according to the American Immigration Council. 11% was from the Dominican Republic, 9% were from China, 5% from Mexico, 5 from Jamaica, and 4% from uh, India. And the importance of immigration in New York's story and in its culture is really celebrated by a fantastic comedy special that Colin Quinn did. Uh, It's called The New York Story. And he highlights the successive waves of immigrants into the city, starting with the indigenous population, the Lenape, and then through the Dutch, the English, the German, the Irish, the Jews, Italians, Puerto Ricans, Blacks, Greeks, Haitians, Jamaicans, the Chinese, Koreans, Mexicans, Dominicans, Russians, Albanians, East Indians, Arabs, and the Polish. And of course, that's not, you know, that's not even everybody who's come through New York. Colin Quinn really focuses on those who stayed in New York and the effect that they had on New York City. And he postulates that each wave of immigrants added to and reinforced the New York attitude. And it is that New York attitude that we see highlighted so, so beautifully in the musical Hamilton. 
And that's really what I want to focus on. So Quinn talks about what he, you know, kind of defines that New York attitude. And he acknowledges that we are what everybody says that we are. Um, and I say we because I'm also a native New Yorker and very proud of it um, from the state, from the great state of New York. He says that we are rude, opinionated, pushy, loud, fast-talking, sarcastic, wise asses. We are constantly in a hurry, and we think we're better than everybody else. And the way that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda portrays Hamilton in the music, he really is our poster child for that New York attitude. Uh, and so I think that it's it's really interesting to kind of look at how... The New York attitude is represented through Hamilton um, and kind of parse out a little bit like how much of that might have been embellishment, you know, obviously from Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, interpreting his life. And uh, but there's also some very clear historical elements that really point to the fact that he probably did have the New York attitude um, even before it was fully formed. Uh, as Colin Quinn postulates through all of these successive waves of immigration so one of the key elements that he talks about, right, is that we're rude, opinionated, pushy, loud, all these kinds of things. We're basically not nice. Uh, and Burr's advice when he meets Hamilton is something that many New Yorkers have heard, which is talk less, smile more. And it is perhaps the most offensive thing that you could say to a New Yorker. Uh, you're definitely getting pushback if you tell us to talk less and smile more, because it really goes against everything in the New York attitude. Uh, when Hamilton introduces himself to the crew at the bar, he even acknowledges uh, that he has a lot of brains but no polish. And that's really kind of the definition of the, the, the base of kind of the New York approach. We tend to at least think we're very intelligent, but we don't have, we don't have the polish. Uh, he also, Hamilton also says, oh, am I talking too loud? Sometimes I get overexcited and shoot off my mouth. Absolutely, we are loud, fast talkers because we have got a point to make and we want to get it out there as quickly as we possibly can so that you will be like, oh yeah, that's a thing and move on with your life. Um, and then, of course, the, the kind of core conflict in the musical is between Burr and Decisive and Hamilton's, you know, Hamilton's very blunt nature, which, again, very New Yorkerish. Um, and so Hamilton says to Burr, I would rather be decisive than indecisive. Drop the niceties. In other words, we couldn't care less about being nice. Nice is not important to us at all. And so really a huge part of the New York attitude is this rejection of the idea of being nice, of smiling more, of trying to like smooth things over uh, because we're too busy passionately defending the truth. And I've, uh, as I've already alluded to, it's, it's our truth. Um, I'm not going to say that all New Yorkers are geniuses. Some of us are absolute morons and we fight with each other just as much as we fight with anybody else over, over being morons. Uh, but, but we, we very much, we're, we're here to defend our truth. We think we're right. We think we're the best. And so because of that, we have very high expectations of ourselves and we have high expectations of what other people would think about us. So Washington asks Hamilton why no one can get them on their staff. And Hamilton replies, yeah, be their secretary? I don't think so. To which Washington replies, now why are you upset? And Hamilton replies, I'm not. 
And this is one of the things that happens, uh, people thinking that we're angry happens all the time when we're passionately defending our truth. Um, or in this case, he's, um, he's passionately defending his kind of his, his worth, right? So for him, the truth around what he can do and what he can contribute is being violated by people saying like, oh, well, you can, you know, come be my secretary. As New Yorkers, we don't want to be writing down other people's ideas. We have our own ideas. Um, but we often, in trying to defend that, those truths, people interpret that as, as being angry. One of my favorite moments of kind of defense of the truth in spite of the consequences uh, is when they're talking about, Burr and Hamilton are talking about Lee, the Lee Lawrence duel. And Burr says, can we agree that duels are dumb and immature? And Hamilton says, sure, but your man has to answer for his words, Burr. And Burr says, with his life? We both know that's absurd, sir. And Hamilton says, hang on, how many men died because Lee was inexperienced and ruinous? And Burr says, okay, so we're doing this. And that right there, that just really staunch defense of the truth where Hamilton says, no, 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 you can't get around this. This is a thing that happened. It has to be, it has to be reckoned with. After that exchange, the duel, Washington blows up at Hamilton and sends him home because Hamilton won't stop pushing his case. Hamilton still keeps saying, no, 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 I, I have a truth that you must listen to and that you must agree with. And that's a classic thing about the uh, New York attitude. Uh, Burr says to Hamilton when he's practicing law after the war, why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? That attitude may be your doom. Why do you always say what you believe? And Hamilton says to Burr something very interesting. He says, I know I talk too much. I'm abrasive. It's really important, I think, that people understand that New Yorkers, by and large, we, we're aware. We're aware that we're rude and opinionated. We know that we're abrasive. We know that people don't really like us. But that's not the point. The point is that we can't help ourselves but say the truth. We can't help but defend the truth of what we're trying to get across. And, well, all of those things, right, those are words that Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda, I keep wanting to say that in a very dyslexic way. I probably will at some point in here. Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, those are words that he put in Alexander Hamilton's mouth, obviously, in creating in creating the the discussion. But there's two kind of historical facts I think that also point to this. One is that Alexander writes ends up writing most of the Federalist Papers by himself, like he writes the bulk of them, and that tenacity, you know, the song. Uh, why do you write like you're running out of time? That's really a representative of this tenacity to, to tell the truth, of this absolute need that we have to defend our truth and to get it across to other people. Um, and I also think it's indicative, Jefferson and Hamilton, admittedly for me, are my two favorite founding fathers. Um, and I love watching them be at loggerheads. Uh, and there's a there's a there's a great sort of nod in the uh, in the musical to the fact that um, they, they basically pissed each other off until we had a two party system, right? Like they both of them constantly trying to be like, no, I'm I'm right, like uh, actually created this two party system, and that that kind of tenacity that Hamilton had to speak the truth, to write the truth to push his his truth onto others is very indicative of the New York um, attitude.
you know, if we, if you look back at what I said about um, Colin Quinn's like description of New Yorkers, the rude, opinionated, pushy, loud, it's, it's like half the, it's more than half the definition. Um, fast talking, wise asses, all that stuff. It's pretty much the entire definition. Uh, one of the things that we're also often called out for being is sarcastic. And we're sarcastic because sarcasm is a weapon that we wield against idiots. It's a way for us to push home your stupidity to get you to acknowledge our truth. So, yeah, it's a very sophisticated uh, weapon that we wield. And this comes up a bunch throughout the musical, but I think my favorite and the most blatant incidence of it is demonstrated when Hamilton's arguing with Jefferson over whether they should get involved in the French Revolution. And he asks if they should pull King Louis' head out of the basket and ask, should we honor our treaty, King Louis' head? Nah, do whatever you want. I'm super dead. Right? Like, this is a very sarcastic line where he's basically saying, you know, the well, he's literally saying the person that we made a treaty with is dead, so the treaty no longer exists. So why are you pretending like this is something we should still take into account? And and so a lot of this kind of comes with this idea that we're better than you. And it's not that we actually think that we're better than you. It's just that we're right and you're wrong. And that makes us better than you. Um, and again, in that sort of tenacity to uh, to get other people to see our truths, we will rip you to shreds, we will wear you down, we will outsmart you, we will do whatever it basically takes to get what we want, to get so that our truth becomes the thing that's acknowledged. And so, you know, that drives a lot of the story uh, as well in the musical. Toward the very beginning when Hamilton's just sort of kind of getting his fit, foothold in, in New York and and the revolution is just starting to kick off, Hercules tells Hamilton to tear this dude apart, referring to the Tory rep. Hamilton's response is to smile and then go up to him and basically compete with his message by adding his own commentary on the Tory rep. Uh, he compares him to a dog. He puts a rag in on New Jersey. Right? He says all these very clever, fast, negative things around this representative as a way to show that he's superior because he's on a side that makes more sense. We see this again in the this unwillingness to like compromise and this this eagerness to like just get in and get what you want, however it whatever it takes in the cabinet meeting rap battle. When Hamilton says to Jefferson, Welcome to the present, we're running a real nation. Right, this this dig that you can't possibly know how to do anything here because you've not been involved. And then when he's trying to, to absorb the state's debts, Washington tries to make him negotiate. Hamilton says, we let Congress be held hostage by the South because the South is the part that's preventing him from enacting his truth and getting what he wants done. And Washington says, you need the votes. And Hamilton says, no, we need bold strokes. And Washington says, no, you need to convince more folks. And then Hamilton says, James Madison won't talk to me. That's a non-starter. With this idea that, like, he's been peppering James Madison for so long that James Madison won't even talk to him anymore. Like, he's done. And Washington says, winning is easy, governing is harder. And Hamilton's response is, they're in, they're in transient. They will not change their minds. 
And so Washington says, you have to find a compromise. And Hamilton says, they don't have a plan. Like, they don't have a counter argument. They just hate mine. And so it's from this perception, right, where, like, Hamilton has been trying to, like, wear them down and trying to um, rip them to shreds to get them to cave to his to his view because he's right. So he has to win that battle. And when none of that works, what he ends up doing is basically outsmarting Jefferson and um, Madison by giving them something that he doesn't actually care about, which is to move the country's new capital to Washington, D.C. And in exchange, they'll, they'll create the federal banks. And this is a brilliant and very classically New Yorker maneuver where you try to get people to just come around to your side because clearly they're idiots and they should figure it out. But when they don't, then you're like, all right, how do I, how do I manipulate these people or how do I work around them to get what I need? And so in the end, he stops badgering them and becomes, uses that intelligence to become very tactful in saying, oh, yeah, mm, sure, um, yeah, I guess I'll let you move the federal government. Um, we're still gonna have, we're gonna have all the money, though, right? Like, that's my side of the deal. <laughs> um, so it worked out really well for him. There's a couple other things in the musical that kind of hint to this, like, better than other people mentality that New Yorkers often, often have. Um, one of them is in... Philippe's duel um, to defend his father's honor. There's a line that says everything's legal in New Jersey. And I kind of referred to, to the rag on New Jersey um, when Hamilton's going after the Tory rep. And, you know, we look down on New Jersey quite a bit. Um, and we have no problem, like, making fun of ourselves as, you know, a lot of ridiculous things happens in New York. And, and that kind of, like, sense of humor and like internal conflict is one of the things that I think really uh is also illustrated there's a there's a line toward the end that talks about how Hamilton's loved by Wall Street but considered corrupt by Albany that really represents some of the downstate upstate tension that is inherent in New York state upstate tends to see the the city tends to see New York City as um as an enemy um of them and new york city basically sees upstate as like not worth its notice like it basically doesn't exist that's not new york um and we also we also really enjoy creating laws which is what happens in albany our state capital right we make all these laws and there's also a lot of laws that get made in new york city that can sometimes have impacts on the rest of the state and the interesting thing about us though in laws is that because every right? All the lawmakers in New York have the same attitude as all the citizens, right? So the lawmakers are like, well, we know best, so we're going to make this law and you're going to do it. And then the populace is like, no, we know best. We're going to find a loophole in that law. We're going to laugh in that law's face. Uh, my favorite recent example of this is that they made a law that you couldn't carry dogs onto the subway anymore unless they could fit in a bag. And so people just like they got out like the giant Ikea bags and stuff and cut holes for their dog's legs and carry their dogs on the subway. Uh, right. Because just like that kind of like screw you, you're a moron. I know what's better um, attitude is even inherent within our like legal systems and our financial systems. And 
Might be one of the reasons why organized crime was so popular in um, this neck of the woods. But um, ultimately, we have, um, even the upstaters have a lot of pride in New York and a lot of pride in New York City. And in fact, I have to keep kind of like correcting myself because as a New Yorker, we wouldn't say New York City or we wouldn't say this, we wouldn't say like NYC. We'd actually call it the city, you know, because there's only one in the world. Um, and this is actually in the musical too, which I love because the Schuyler sisters who are from Rensselaer, which is just outside of Albany, sing about Manhattan and they sing that it's the greatest city in the world. Uh, of course, it's just Manhattan at that point because it won't be the five boroughs until 1898. But I love that they call it, they say that it's the greatest city in the world because we really think that. There's only one city. It's the city. That's where you're going. So ultimately, the kind of, the New York attitude is most epitomized by kind of the back end of, of Hamilton's story because ultimately what all of these other things boil down to is that personal integrity is more important than anything. So, right, upholding your truth, including upholding your honor and who you are as a person, just got some more like mob flashbacks there, um, is the most important thing. And we don't care if other people like us. We only care that they respect that integrity that we show. Basically, that they respect us for being right. And we see this throughout the end of the musical um, in examples where like Jefferson calls him quick-witted to his face and a prick behind his back. And that inconsistency is really problematic for Hamilton. Um, and in fact, when Jefferson resigns, Hamilton wants to go after him in the press saying that he'll pay for his behavior. So all of the things that kind of Jefferson did that weren't either internally consistent within himself, within Jefferson's own like approaches and behavior or his obstinate defiance around ideas that Hamilton uh, Hamilton thought were were dangerous, were, were going to be ruinous, pushed him to say like, "Let no, no, we got to go after him. He's got to pay for that lack of personal integrity." And he also goes after his own party after he was he was fired for the same reason. He felt that it was so important that people know that his personal integrity is intact. And that he shows that other people are acting basically like freaking morons. And of course, the, the the highest point of this, of valuing personal integrity and, and valuing kind of the truth of self over any kind of appearance of, of self, is when Hamilton writes the Reynolds pamphlet. To keep his name, for, from his own perspective, it's to keep his name clean. Because he doesn't want his personal integrity as somebody who properly manages the financial systems to be questioned. So instead, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to out myself on this personal thing because that's like I'm still being I'm still having internal personal integrity. I'm still t saying the truth. I'm still right. And being right is so important in that in that aspect. Um but of course, Jefferson says, you know, have you ever seen anybody ruin their own life, right? This idea that from an outside perspective, from somebody who's not part of the, you know, New York Attitude um, Club, not a club, but you know what I mean, um, right? They just see that as idiotic. Why would you do that? Why would you 
out yourself in a scandal to, you know, try to counter claims that, you know, weren't even really proven about you. So I, I think that's, I think that, that that's another instance where you can kind of historically say like, yeah, Hamilton was definitely a New Yorker. <laughs> Cause I don't know anybody else who would do that, who would like bite off their own arm basically to, to save, to save their own like self image, like where the truth is so important that it trumps your, the view that other people have of you. Uh, Another thing that's definitely true about New Yorkers is that we really admire people who put up a good fight. So like, if you can have a really good argument with us, if you, um, you know, if you can be a combatant of someone who can, who can have lots of great ideas and put us through all these things, we really admire you. And that's, I think, a really core reason why Hamilton prefers Jefferson to Burr. I know for like the theme of the, the musical, it's more of an emphasis on the fact that like, Burr doesn't really have any opinions, but I think it's more that Jefferson has, again, a personal integrity and internal truth that he's willing to fight for. The line, the lines are, I've never agreed to Jeff, I've never agreed with Jefferson once. We fought on like 20, we fought on like 75 different fronts, but when all is said and done, Jefferson has beliefs, Burr has none. He's willing to put up a good fight. He's willing to state his claim and stick to it. And that's extremely valuable to New Yorkers. And then the last, like, the last thing that I love um, that really shows the New York attitude is at the end where Burr and Hamilton are basically getting into the fight that will lead to their duel. Burr says that Hamilton's being disrespectful. And that's always something that a New Yorker is going to want to counter because for us, fighting around the truth is never personal, which is weird, right? Because I just made this whole big thing about like your internal truth is your personal identity and they're very much wrapped up together and you absolutely have to defend your your personal identity. But that that's different than having just a fight around truth. Having a fight around, like, truth and ideologies and things like that is almost a sport to us. It's almost a game. But your consistency of your personal identity and the consistency of the way that you act and the things that you say, that we get, that's very personal, obviously. But the kind of arguments that Hamilton and Burr were having were we're not personal to Hamilton. So when Burr says that he's disrespecting him, Hamilton says, I will not equivocate on my opinion. I've always worn it on my sleeve. Cite a more specific grievance. Here, I've itemized a list of 30 years of disagreements. I won't apologize for doing what is right. I can't apologize because it's true. Those lines are the most New York attitude I think you could possibly right. New Yorkers will not equivocate their opinion. They will not give up, back down, change their minds. If that's their opinion, that's their opinion. I won't apologize for doing what is right. I can't apologize because it's true. New Yorkers are not going to say like, oh, they're sorry to start an to stop an argument. It's never happening. Truth is the most important thing to us.
Uh, I won't apologize for doing what is right, for doing what he believes in. I can't apologize because it's true. Everything that I have said is true from my perspective, so I won't apologize for it. And that, my friends, is the real New York attitude. And I think that is why we love Alexander Hamilton, because he's really one of us. Um, he's an immigrant who, through education and experiences in the greatest city in the world, you know, really created a massive change in the way that the world functions by sticking to his truth. Even though sometimes that got him into trouble and eventually caused him to die, mm, nope, still a hero because he would not back down from his truth. And that, as annoying as it sometimes is, um, is something that I truly love about the New York, the New York attitude.